edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, I'm finally back from the hiatus that I had announced on Twitter where I had been dealing with constant stuff, constant schoolwork, constant preparation for other activities for weeks on end. That should be finally done now. Now that I'm in summer, it's finally been some time to relax. Obviously, I've had a number of like delayed episodes and then had to miss some episodes entirely, which you probably saw on Twitter. If you haven't, go look at SGF Pod on Twitter to see which episodes are missed. And you can always send me fantasy questions on those topics. But it has been a wild ride, but I finally, finally back on the mic. Glad to be here today. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe if you're new. It's getting to fantasy draft season. It's very, very exciting. Lots of different stuff to talk about as we get prepared closer and closer to another round of fantasy drafts. And again, really, really glad to be on the mic. Few things. There are a few things that I enjoy more in life than talking about fantasy football. And this is a crucial episode today because it's the fantasy football sleepers for 2023. So back again in summer, so much less to do. Finally free from junior year of high school, which was a lot. But we got nine sleepers on here. Actually, am I counting correctly? Nine sleepers, yes, on here to talk about on today's show. Q- two QBs, two RBs, four wide receivers, and one tight end. And first, as I say every year, as I've kind of said in recent years, this episode is always interesting because the fantasy football sleeper is something that a lot of people argue no longer exists in today's fantasy football landscape. And maybe that's the echo chamber I'm in on Twitter with a lot of people who are obsessed with fantasy football and spend all day talking about fantasy football and thinking about fantasy football. That could just be the reasoning behind this and that people are like, oh, I know every player. There's no sleeper. There's nobody that's sneaking up on me. But it's still like a debate as to whether the average fan still has fantasy sleepers, given how much information is there at your fingertips. So what I try to do for the most part on this episode is go really, really deep with some deep sleepers, the guys that are ranked in the back of drafts. I would say there's a good possibility that eight of the nine players on this list are not drafted in a large majority of fantasy drafts. So I tried to go very deep, not just like Oh, sleeper, this guy at the QB 12 could be the QB 8. I think of that more as a value. I'm going for deep sleepers, guys that you can really not spend much draft capital on, if any at all, and potentially get some production out of them. So these guys are going to be risks for sure. I'm not saying they're all going to break out. And they all ended up being young players, which makes sense, given that the sleeper is someone you expect possibly to have a small chance to break out at some point in the future, usually someone on the upswing of their career. These are all younger guys, rookies, second-year players, who I think could do really well this year. So let's get started at QB. We're starting off with the guy who's ranked the highest. Out of everybody on this list, this guy is probably the least sleeper-like, sleeper-esque, but if you didn't follow the draft... Anthony Richardson at QB 18 could be a sleeper for a lot of people going to the Indianapolis Colts was drafted very, very highly in that top five as we expected, I guess, I, I guess we could say as we expected at this point, obviously some people have had Richardson falling in out of the top five, maybe even out of the top 10, but of course he went to the Colts, the Colts committed their future to him with that number four pick. Richardson at QB 18 is interesting because I think this could end up being drastically low. And it's not that Richardson has like some guarantee to become a successful starter in today's NFL, but the Colts, I mean, first of all, the Colts, he should fit well there right away. They spent a lot of draft capital on there on him right away, as I mentioned, but beyond that, his two way or dual threat ability between as a rusher 
where he's already going to be one of the most explosive rushing QBs in the league. And of course, as a passer with his big arm is going to be huge. The Colts have some weapons around him. They've got Josh Downs, who they just drafted in the draft. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in the league. Michael Pittman, who's still a quality receiver. Not a lot of depth at the receiver position, I will say. There will be a lot of hope resting on guys like Alec Pierce to potentially break out. Of course, he was that former second round pick. We didn't see much of him this year, but he is a huge target and did show flashes of being good. And there are some good pieces on this offensive line as well. Richardson should run wild. And it doesn't even matter if he's not that good of a QB. He could still be a top 12 quarterback for fantasy, given how much rushing and how many rushing fantasy points can influence your total stats in fantasy football as a whole. Anthony Richardson is a big sleeper. Or maybe not a sleeper. Maybe you've heard of him already. But I think given his ranking at QB 18, even on fantasy pros, a lot of people will be letting him slip to the back drafts. My other sleeper for quarterbacks down at the quarterback 29. And again, like I mentioned, I mean, these are players you've some of these guys or most of these guys are probably players you have at least heard of before, especially at that quarterback position where there's 32 starting QBs and they all get all the publicity. But the point of the sleeper is, of course, guys who are being slept on in fantasy drafts in particular, undervalued in general and have a chance to break out. Sam Howell at the QB 29 is the other sleeper. So QB 29 in a single quarterback league, this guy's not getting drafted. So you can have him last round of drafts. I, I've liked this strategy more and more when doing mock drafts this off season, because Sam Howell, if you really think about it, is set up for success. Of course, the downside is he was a fifth round pick in 2022, but the upside is people expected him to be a first or a second. He has the talent to be there. He has a good, accurate arm with a lot of arm strength and has some rushing ability, has some rushing floor. I, I, for those of you who watched the season finale against the Cowboys when Sam Howell and the commanders blew out the Cowboys, he scored a big rushing touchdown, had a number of other scrambles. He's very elusive and fast and in general, that could be a good rushing floor for his fantasy points in general. But Beyond that, in this offense, there is so much to like. The commanders have a lot of weapons. At RB, of course, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. There's interest in Kareem Hunt potentially as well. But at wide receiver, you've got Terry McLaurin. And if he gets a great quarterback, he's going to be a stud. He already is a stud, and he's had horrible quarterback play throughout his entire career. Jahan Dotson has already broken out. He's being valued higher and higher next year for fantasy. Maybe even is still a little bit undervalued because of how well he finished late last season, scoring all those touchdowns. And then Curtis Samuel, of course. Tight end is a weak spot for sure, but Curtis Samuel at wide receiver is a wide receiver. Three is a very, very useful player on all levels of the field. And I mean, his ability to change direction, his ability to make cuts in the open field with the ball is just so dangerous and can get some extra yards for Sam Howell as well. But in conclusion, QB 29 is way too low. He's behind guys like Jimmy Garoppolo CJ Stroud, Mac Jones, that doesn't really make any sense. I mean, CJ Stroud has some upside, so maybe I can see that. But like Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones, we know what they are. They're not going to be top 12 quarterbacks. Sam Howell, however small the shot might be, has a shot to be that. And so that's what you want to be taking shots on late in your draft is these high upside guys rather than high floor, low ceiling type players. Moving on to RB, the first guy here is Jerome Ford. And as we mentioned, Kareem Hunt likely gone from the Cleveland Browns. Jerome Ford is a fifth round pick who went to Cleveland last year, currently ranked as the RB 58, but is now the clear backup behind Nick Chubb in fantasy. Came out of Cincinnati, wasn't a highly touted prospect, was very well known though. I mean, he did put up a lot of numbers with Cincinnati, of course, when they were on their big group of five tear. Didn't really do much this year though. Didn't get much playing time, but... The fact that the Browns haven't brought anyone in to supplant Jerome Ford is the clear backup makes me think that they have some confidence in him and he could sneak in to a big role. If Chubb gets hurt, 
That is a very lucrative role already. Even if he doesn't, just having that handcuff, having that security, he's going as RB58 where the worst backups and or the worst RB2s on each team are going. He can definitely be a sleeper from that spot. And a guy that even lower is even lower that also is a sleeper for sure is Tajay Spears, who was drafted by the Tennessee Titans in the third round. Spears will back up Derrick Henry, and we know how durable Derrick Henry's been. But the fact that the Titans spent a pick on an RB may signal that while Derrick Henry's career might not be coming to a close anytime soon, may signal that they're worried that the workload will catch up to him eventually and possibly sooner rather than later. And obviously that's no guarantee because Henry keeps bucking trends for years and years. But Tajay Spears at RB71 as a third-round rookie is a huge, huge value right now and a very big sleeper. That's a guy you can get in free agency, outside of drafts, but is a very solid handcuff, just very solid overall, not much competition for him as of now in that Titans backfield. At wide receiver, lots of guys here that I like. I tend to like these Giants receivers year after year. This year for me, it's Wandale Robinson at the wide receiver 69 and Jalen Hyatt at the wide receiver 79. And for the wide receivers, what I look for in sleepers at that position is who has the potential to be the wide receiver one on their team that's going criminally low. And Wandale Robinson and Jalen Hyatt both could take over the wide receiver one role with the Giants. Of course, Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky last year had a lot of good games before getting injured, was out for the year. Obviously, coming off the injury is going to be a little bit scary, but there's just not much there. Like Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, that's not huge competition. The Giants did bring in Jalen Hyatt, who is Robinson's main competition. At wide receiver 79, he might be even better of a value. Third round pick out of Tennessee. The Giants traded up to get him early in the third round too, so the draft capital doesn't tell the whole story necessarily. He was highly productive with Hendon Hooker in college. And at wide receiver 79, that's where you're supposed to be taking guys who are wide receiver threes on their own teams. Jalen Hyatt is that at worst. Maybe at, I mean, honestly, I think he's already the wide receiver three on the team and only set to rise to the wide receiver two and maybe wide receiver one as soon as early in the year. After that, I got John Mechie at the wide receiver 75. Of course, he had his uh, sat out the whole season due to the cancer that he had. And um, he was able in remission now back again to come to the football field. Amazing story. But we shouldn't forget that he was a second round pick out of Alabama Coming into his second year, still tons of potential. For the Texans, there's a little bit of competition, but Robert Woods is on the decline in his career, and Tank Dell, who they took in the third round, is not necessarily a hugely high upside prospect um, per se, but he uh, coming out of Houston, he's going to be really, really good as well. But Mechie has the highest draft capital spent on him out of all of these guys. Of course, there's Nico Collins there as well, who's had some production, but this is the guy they highly touted. They spent a high pick on him for a reason. He's a very big talent in the vertical game. And at the wide receiver 75, that's a solid chance to take. And then at the wide receiver 85, the rookie second rounder, Jonathan Mingo out of the Panthers, I mean, I just think this is because people are under-hyping Jonathan Mingo because he wasn't projected super highly pre-draft, but draft capital means a lot. The Panthers spent a second-round pick on him, and he's still sitting down at the wide receiver 85. Obviously, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark are there with Bryce Young, but both of them have already hit the peak of their careers. Jonathan Mingo has tons of potential, and with Bryce Young, that new number one overall pick, there's an opportunity to form a huge connection right away and be massive for fantasy. He shouldn't be ranked at the wide receiver 85. He should definitely be higher should be being drafted at the end of drafts in fantasy football for sure. At tight end, this is actually shockingly low. When I scrolled through the rankings, I was very surprised to see a first-round tight end in Dalton Kincaid ranked as the tight end 23. 
Sure, there's Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is a solid tight end, but he has never done much for fantasy. Dalton Kincaid was drafted in the first round for a reason, and that's because he's going to be an elite pass-catching threat. Obviously, with the Kyle Pitts taste still in our mouths, rookie tight ends haven't necessarily been great, but Kyle Pitts still had 1,000 yards in his rookie season. Obviously, Dalton Kincaid's not as good of a prospect as him, but you don't need to do much to exceed the tight end 23. I think Dalton Kincaid could easily be a top 12 tight end this year. Probably won't end up being the QB tight end one, tight end five, something like that, just because of the careers that we've seen typically out of these rookie tight ends. It's important not to get too over enamored with them because they usually don't break out right away. They usually only break out in like their third year. But even so, Dalton Kincaid at tight end 23, easy smash draft because I think Dalton Kincaid, I mean, I think that's his absolute floor. I don't think he's going to be even lower than tight, tight end 23. 23 is probably his floor and his ceiling is probably like tight end eight. They're at tight end six even. Like that, that's a lot to like there for Dalton Kincaid. It's a shot you can take at the end of your draft and really not worry that there's going to be any sort of bust potential. But there's a lot of boom for sure. And first round pick in that high, highly explosive Bills offense, that means a lot. So that wraps up this show. Thank you all for tuning in. Next week, we got busts coming up. I'll talk about all the guys who are ranked much higher, who I'm going to be fading for fantasy football next year. That's the episode. Appreciate you all tuning in. Be sure to subscribe. Follow on Twitter at SGFpod at Calvin underscore SGF. Second goal fantasy at gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions. Thank you all for tuning in. Glad to be back talking some fantasy on the mic. I'll see you all next time.